welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good afternoon. My name is Craig. I'm a gratefully recovering sexaholic. Craig. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, where our next convention is going to be, and we're very proud and grateful to be able to have that honor. Um, I'll be a uh, facilitator for the session. Uh, I'm also joined by Mark from uh, New Jersey here. Uh, the name of this meeting is Honest Look in the Mirror. It's a look at steps four and five. Um, some of you may, may have done four and five. Some of you may be still on four and five. Um, we're going to talk about that. Uh, this is a, um, a closed meeting. Anyone who is in attendance at the convention is invited to attend and participate in this meeting, even if you are not a member of SA. Please take a moment of silence um, for the sexaholic who still suffers, followed by the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer? God... Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. And we'd ask uh, for all of you to um, silence your electronic devices. If you need to use yours during this meeting, please take it outside, please. Uh, This meeting is going to be recorded in the spirit of of the 12th tradition to carry the message. This meeting is being recorded. The recorder will not be Turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so the listener can follow you. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the equipment in the, in the room. Um, and so we're going to have a few minutes just to share our experience, strength, and hope on, on this topic. Um, and I remember when I first uh, registered for the convention, I checked off the box that I would be willing to to lead a meeting, I uh, didn't know what the topic was going to be. And then when I saw the, all the topics and uh, was on four and five, uh, which includes a lot of resentment and fear and all the things that we do, it's really the first action step that we have after we do one, two, and three. And um, uh, at the time I saw it, I said to myself, boy, I don't have any resentments. I'm clear of all that stuff. I've been sober for a while now, and um, I don't have any resentments. But I can talk about resentments. And then I said to myself, well, I resent a lot of stuff still. Um, and, uh, you know, so I went back and I thought about, you know, when I first did my fourth step, um, it's fearless and moral inventory of ourselves. You know, this gave me the opportunity um, to stop taking other people's inventory. Uh, I've been taking other people's inventories for 57 years, and it got me into so much trouble um, so much desperation uh, to the point where I consider myself a hopeless sexaholic to the point where I know I hit bottom. Um, we say that the, there may be a bottom below the bottom we know, uh, and I've had many bottoms, but this one got me. 
Um, so I got to the point of hopelessness and I said to myself, uh, I need to get sober. Finally get sober. I was, I've been in the program for 10 years. I've been sober for over three now. Um, off and on, off and on. And the primary reason for me not staying sober was resentments. And, um, I'm going to refer to the big book a lot. Um, I like referring to the big book. Um, it's hard to understand the big book for me because it's too simple. It's just too simple. Um, I, um, it gives me an opportunity to search for my flaws for my failures, for my character defects, which I'll be talking a little bit about. And um, when I first did my four-step 10 years ago, I was in Chicago at the time, joined the fellowship. I was caught by my wife for about the seventh time, and finally it was over for me. Um, I, had to, I had to join this fellowship. I had to prove to myself that this is not uh, who I am. It was what I did, and I had to stop doing it. And I just couldn't. I had a resentment towards my wife. I had a resentment towards my father. I had four pages of resentments. And I blamed everybody else but me. And I thought this topic, when I read his honest look in the mirror, I thought, you know, I can't look at myself in the mirror. So that's what this is all about. When I shave, I shave in the shower. I don't know about you guys, but I shave in the shower. I can't look at myself in the mirror because the biggest resentment I have is towards me. Um, it's towards me. Um, all the harm that I've done, I've been through three marriages. I have two kids. I have a third kid that I got, um, that I found out about, um, seven years ago. Um, and, uh, that was it for me. I harmed too many people. Um, when my kids found out three years ago, a little over three years ago, my daughter said to me, um, you like strippers more than you like me. Um, and the next time I see you, it will be at your funeral. Um, so that's my bottom. That's when it starts affecting your kids. It's, it became my bottom. Uh, that was it for me. Um, and having a little son who I adore today, um, you know, made me believe that I have the uh, ability to love. Um, and the resentments had to go away. So when I did my fourth step, and I went to that first column, and you can see in the big book on page 64, um, it says that resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more sexaholics than anything else. From its stem, all forms of spiritual disease. Uh, and that's what I had, a big, um, blowing spiritual disease. I was physically ill. I was mentally ill. I didn't know why. And at the point when I went to my first meeting and after I went to several meetings, I found out that why is not a question in my fellowship. There is no such thing as why. The fact is, I'm a sexaholic, and that's all I need to know. And I'm addicted to lust. I'm not addicted to strippers or sex or porn or anything else. I am addicted to lust. I lust after control, superiority, sex, uh, women, um, but I'm addicted to lust, not, I'm addicted to the planning and, um, I'm addicted to my character defects. And that took me a while to understand that I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I pity myself all the time because I just never got what I needed when I was a kid. 
and that just grew into bigger and bigger things. And as I made more money in my career, I started spending it, stealing it from my family. And um, But I never blamed myself for it. I blamed my wife. I blamed the police. I blamed the lawyers. <laughs> I blamed my dad for not taking care of me when I was a kid. Um, you name it. I had all these things. So I got into this first column and I had loads of resentments. I, re- I resented strip clubs. Um, crazy. Um, and I got into my second column and it talks about, so what did I do? You know, why, what did I do? How did I, how did these resentments come up? My father didn't take care of me. He didn't take me to baseball games. The stripper charged too much. Um, whatever it might have been. Um, that's why I had the resentment. That's what I thought. Um, I got into the third column and what was my part in this? Um, that's the column that got to me because that's when I started to have to, to blame me when I had to revert from blaming other people to blaming myself. And there's a guy in our fellowship in San Antonio who I adore. He's a good friend. He said, to me that there are terrible, terrible things that have happened in my life, and most of them are not true. Most of them are not real. Um, and I thought they were all real. These things that I thought got me upset to create some of these resentments um, when I was growing up um, were not real. They were just made up in my head. And when I started looking at what my part was, I started realizing that, you know, with my father as, as an example, that I had to say to myself, he didn't know any better. He, he was just involved with work. He came out of World War II, um, just it could have been PTSD, don't really know, and it doesn't really matter at that point because I was doomed. I was, I was at my life's end um, and was embarrassed shameful of all the things that I did wrong and I had to realize and humble myself and that comes into step five and tell somebody else that yeah it's all in my head and I I can't fix the crap in my head with the crap in my head so I needed help and I came into the fellowship I got a sponsor um, who's still in, in you know in our fellowship he's great and he just told me that you know he didn't say you have to blame yourself, but you have to be responsible for the things that you're thinking. Um, this stinking thinking that I had, blaming myself that it was my fault for doing all the things that I did. Um, and, and that is the cause of my acting out. I needed to please myself. I needed to be happy and fulfill this void that I had inside myself by going to strip clubs and prostitutes and having affairs at work and hurting other people. And the hurt had to stop. So when I convinced myself and I accepted the fact that I was a sexaholic on page 417 and that I had to believe that everything, first I had to go through steps one and then two and three to believe that I was going to be in the care of God. I looked up the word care in the dictionary and it says, if you are cared by God, then you'll have nothing to worry about, that you have no worries. Um, and so if I, didn't, if I believed that I didn't have anything to worry about, 
then I exposed myself to my sponsor and to my higher power at that point in step five. And I said, uh, my list started getting shorter and shorter and shorter. It took me uh, um, the second time I did my four step, which was about six years ago. It took me about two days to do it. Two days. And I, and I hear, you know, a lot of people saying, I'm stuck on step four. I'm stuck on step four. I'm stuck on step four because I don't accept the fact that I'm a sexaholic. I don't accept the fact that I have a disease. I don't accept the fact that I'm addicted to my defects. Um, um, I have to accept and have the willingness that if I'm going to have the psychic change in my, in my brain and move all the things out of my brain and into feeling him with my heart, because that's where God is. He's in here. He's not up here. He's no fantasy for me anymore. Uh, then I had, a, I had to agree and have, make a contract with God and say, you know, I'm willing to give up these defects. You know, at least try to start doing it. And, of course, the word try in our fellowship doesn't work too well either. Either you do it or you don't do it. So today I take those actions. Um, my, my two kids from my first marriage are not talking to me today um, because of all the hurt. Um, so I just want to reverse, and I just want to end with this. I want to reverse the resentment, and I, and I want to talk about quickly, what do I do when somebody resents me? My kids resent me. I know they do. But I also know that they love me. So what do you do? You keep taking the actions of love. You still send birthday cards. I have three grandkids now, one on the way, and I know that. I still talk to my first wife. We talk, and I say, you know, I, I don't plead to her, and I don't blame her anymore. We're friends again. Um, and I got that to work because I did my fourth step. Um, I stopped blaming and she's now talking to my son and saying, how can you not have a father in your life? And he called me. Um, and I went out to, to California and I visited with him and I saw my grandson, finally. But if I didn't take those actions of love, they would continue to resent me. They're happy that I'm in this program. I know they are. And the daughter that said, the next time I see you is, in, is going to be at your funeral, um, is now saying to her mother, I never said that. I never said that. Um, so you get this feeling that if you continue to work on it, you, can, you have to accept the fact that they do resent you, but at the same time, you have to keep taking these actions of love because I love my kids, and I know they love me. It's just going to take time and patience. And um, so for me, um, I know we don't have enough time, but... The last thing I just wanted to say was, um, why do I have these resentments? I don't know why, but all I know is that, and I said this yesterday, 95%, and I say 95% of the things that I come in contact with every day have nothing to do with me. Nothing. The other 5%, I surrender to God. And when that 5% becomes 10% or 15%, I'm in trouble. And I sit. And I pause, uh, as Harvey said the other uh, just before. He said, "Your first, um, you know, um, my disease lies in my first thought." So whenever I get a resentment, 
if I go to a grocery store and I get on a line and the, and the girl is taking too much time, I pause and I say, I picked the line. It's not her fault. The, the light turned red. I have to stop. People who can run through red lights, I can't run through a red light anymore. I have to stop. Um, you know, somebody in Texas, you know, everybody carries a gun. Uh, there are more guns than there are people. So when I see a pickup truck cut me off, I don't give them the finger anymore. Because <laughs> if I do, it won't be a resentment. It'll be six feet under. Uh, so I know when to stop. Um, anyway, I, I just um, it's, a, it's a tough step to get through. I, I agree it is, because you just have to accept the fact that everything in God's world is just the way it's supposed to be. And I always wondered why 417, page 417, the acceptance is not in within page 60 and 68. It's somebody's story. Um, you have to accept things the way it is um, and just pause, take that three-second pause and just say, it has nothing to do with me. Walk away. If my wife got angry at me, walk away. She may be right, but every time she gets angry, I can't feed into her anger because it just, it just perpetuates itself. Um, I just have to accept everything and, um, and go on and on about this step. But once you get through it and once you admit it to another human being and have the humility to do that, um, it'll be okay in God's world. Thanks for letting me share. Mark? Good afternoon. My name is Mark. I'm a sexaholic. Gratefully uh, sober today, one day at a time since August 6, uh, 2013. Um, in the late 90s, 1997 through 2000, I uh, ran up about $55,000 worth of uh, credit card debt, um, primarily through going to strip clubs, uh, pulling out huge amounts of cash to, uh, to try to impress dancers and uh, – have relations with them. Um, that of course all came crashing down when I made a disclosure to my wife and she found SA for me. But, um, I only was involved in the program for about nine months because I was cured. Of course I had stopped, I had stopped acting out. I stopped looking at porn. I stopped, you know, running up huge amounts of debt and the heat was off and my wife really didn't want me to be involved in SA to begin with. Um, or so I stopped going, I stopped, I stopped going and things were okay for a while, but then I started looking at porn again. And then I, uh, started a relationship, uh, with, with someone, it was a relationship. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't seedy, like going to, uh, to a, uh, a strip club and, uh, just things got progressively worse to the point where, uh, um, in, uh, in 2013, uh, I was ringing up uh, about 2,500 minutes on my cell phone, uh, communicating with uh, with my acting out partner, and uh, everything came crashing down. And um, I needed to get back into program. And my wife was like, "You know, that's your your get out of jail card that you're trying to pull." And she was right because at the, at the point I was not. I, I just knew I had to do something. Uh, and it was the only place that I where I uh, had an option to go to. 
So, uh, you know, I went to meetings uh, because I was kicked out of the house. So I was going to six, seven meetings a week. Um, and I started to, um, you know, share at meetings. I got, I got a sponsor who I had known, um, you know, 13 years earlier. Uh, the program does change over time. Uh, there are only a very few amount of people that I, I recollected from 2000. And, um, so I started to, to work the steps, but I was afraid of step four. I was deathly afraid of step four because I have a disease that tells me you don't have a disease. What happened yesterday, that doesn't matter. What happened today, so we'll start the day over without any true reflection and really understanding about what my defects are and not really drawing upon the fellowship, the program, a God of my understanding. Um, you know, chances are I was, I was going to... F- going to fail and i was really reaping the the devastation of the consequences um with my family at the time so it was very very difficult and i certainly you know i wanted to do what i always did was manage expectations i was a career salesperson so i was always managing customers expectations so after about nine months of being in the program and being sober and being totally committed, and my wife and I had a contract, I I stopped going to program. I was out. I would need to leave. I had to be in program and work the steps. So I heard someone talk about Joe and Charlie AA, you know, step study programs, and, and excuse me, you had tapes in the room, and it was the best investment I made in my life. And I stopped listening my morning commutes to sports radio, you know, completely inane things, or even the news for that matter, which really had nothing to do with my immediate universe. And I started to listen to recovery tapes. And Joe and Charlie, if you've ever listened to them, they are hysterical. They are just completely hysterical. And they, the the whole, in my estimation, the whole focus of their uh, – presentation of the steps is to get you through step four. I mean, many of the, uh, the segments are, are, are based upon that. And I, I must have listened to that full set 80, a hundred times, you know, over a time period. And I just over and over and over. And I was very prayerful because, and they just kept on saying how simple it was. What a moral inventory. It's not about, you know, all the, dirty, nasty things that you, that you did. It's about the truth. It's about looking, you know, at your life and then looking at the big book. And that's when I became uh, converted to using the big book and working the steps in the, in the AA format, because it, it really, because the white book is wonderful uh, and it addresses my problem, but it doesn't tell me what to do in what, I mean, it says do it in order, but it doesn't tell me how to do that. So I followed the, you know, the five uh, column. I was also going to a therapist at, at that time who was also uh, a therapist involved in, in addiction and was rel- well-versed in uh, essay recovery. And one of the things I learned was uh, through a, uh, a spiritual advisor who told my wife that I was greedy. How dare she call me greedy? Greedy? I'm not, I'm not a greedy person. And it wasn't until I went through the through the the fourth step and going through all my resentments and then you know i'm looking down my my fifth column and and my defects of character and grandiosity and deception my therapist called me a master of deception you know uh, finally got that degree that i never uh achieved 
I was in denial. I was a liar. I am full of crap. Even to this day, I am still full of it. I find myself looking to manipulate situations to my own benefit. So one day in the spring of, um, of 2014, I had the day off and I went to a park and I just, over the next five hours, just ripped through my inventory. Once I started, I wasn't able to stop. And, you know, I learned all these things about myself and it was, you know, Eureka. I mean, this is, these are the reasons that I've, you know, constantly had trouble in my life, constantly, you know, suffered from depression and, and, and fear and, um, and needing for people, um, to accept me all along. And it's because I've had these defects of character. And then I went to my sponsor and it's one thing to share about your defects in a meeting, but to, to share your defects of character in the format of a, of a, a fifth step, really you open your, your heart, uh, and your mind to another individual to give the, a, a full understanding. And you, the way I was taught is just read it as you wrote it. Don't try to editorialize along the way. Just say it. And if there are any questions or any comments, my sponsor made them. Because remember, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm defective and I'm, I am, I'm a deceiver and I am a hypocrite. So, when something smelled like BS, my sponsor was able to point that out. So there was also a learning lesson. So um, there were many things in my inventory that were not revealed through that process. I think that if God allowed me to think about all of my issues at one given point, I mean, I don't. who knows what I would have done. But I'm grateful to have gone through that, and it was life-changing. It was definitely life-changing. Not that it really helped. That's six and seven. That's the, that, those are the next two steps. But at least I have a baseline to understand who Mark is and who Mark is still today. Not that I act upon those things any longer. It's just that that's my, that's my, uh, um, that is my tendency. And that's what the wonderful thing about doing a, a step four and then sharing it, uh, with others is. Thank you. Okay, um, so here are the guidelines. I'm sorry. Here are the guidelines um, for sharing at this meeting. If you would like to share, please come up ahead of your turn uh, and make a line by sitting in the assigned chairs up front. When it is your turn to share, please identify yourself by sharing um, which fellowship you identify with. In a participation at an SA meeting, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and 12 traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting too inappropriately explicit uh, or is focusing excessively on the problem rather than the solution, it may so signify by quietly raising their, their hand. Although this is an anonymous program, please remember that anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. The state of New Jersey has specific regulations that mandate specific behaviors to be reported. Please be mindful of what you share, not to break your own or another member's anonymity. 
So would you please join us up here and share for a few minutes? Don't be shy now. Um, my name is Jim. I'm a, a grateful, recovering sexaholic. Um, I don't have any uh, big success story to, to share with you about step four. Um, I actually sobered up uh, in another program uh, uh, for alcoholism in 1982 and uh, did a step four uh, back at that time. Uh, and I was sober for a while and thought I was cured. And uh, years later, when I was in a situation of a marriage and had children, I hit my bottom with this disease. And um, I did another step four. Um, and I kind of stopped at that point. Uh, I was sober for almost three years. And since then... Uh, I've been, you know, bouncing off bottom, uh, slipping uh, every six, eight, ten, ten weeks. Uh, I've got, I've got fifteen, uh, fifteen weeks at this point, um, and I'm, you know, I, I'm on a, a relative uh, high uh, place in my uh, in my recovery, but. Uh, you know, I'm 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 just not making progress. I've got to, I really got to get onto a step four and do it by the book because uh, I'm not where I know I can be. So I'm really here to listen, and and I'm just the the only lesson I can share is from a personal experience. It doesn't work unless you work it, and I'm I'm the I'm a poster child for someone who 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 really hasn't worked it. Like it says, you should work it. So thank you for letting me share. Hi, my name is Derek, and I'm a sexaholic. I'm with the Cranford, New Jersey meeting, and uh, I just want to express some gratitude for your experience, strength, and hope. Uh, it gives me a lot of strength and hope. I, <laughs> At least I hope it does. Um, I am one of those guys that has been stuck on step four for uh, about a year. Uh, I've been in program since 2009, and I've made it through the 12 steps exactly zero times. Um, I've struggled with sobriety. Uh, I've had a, the longest I've had is probably, uh, you know, 18 months, and that is probably not even true. Um, but I did uh, last summer actually do steps one, two, and three with my sponsor, and, um, and it was fantastic. And then I hit step four and, um, you know, one of the shares mentioned, um, being addicted to, uh, his defects and, um, you know, blaming others. And, uh, I think I'm, that's where I'm at. If I'm being honest with myself, that I'm still addicted to my defects and, uh, not willing to accept, you know, my role in it all. And, um, and, and, I also find it interesting that, that both shares mentioned the big book because I think one of my resentments is to my sponsor, who awkwardly is in the room. But, uh, 
Um, I, I am filling out this spreadsheet that I feel like is too challenging and difficult. And the reality is the spreadsheet's not too challenging and difficult. The, the reality is my sponsor's not the issue. The issue is me and my unwillingness to do that work. So I'm just bringing that to light. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, I, I will have the willingness to give up my defects and to accept my role in all of it and um, be successful with this step four. Thanks for letting me share. Yes, it, yes, it goes without saying that if you don't resent your sponsor, then there's something wrong. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom, uh, grateful recovering uh, sexaholic. Hey, Tom. Um, so early on in recovery, I just assumed um, that I was always right about everything, uh, that, you know, I, I was entitled. Um, and my wife did me wrong. And the entire um, Addiction was just me just acting out in, in anger and passive aggressiveness to my wife. And had you been married to my spiteful, unattractive wife, then you would do the same thing I did. And that's what led me to, to just acting out. And when I finally stopped acting out, you know, I, I, I stopped slowly looking at my wife as the issue. Um, and surprisingly, it wasn't just stopping acting out. It took me a couple more years after that to finally say, hey, you know what? Maybe some of this is me. Maybe, you know, maybe regardless of whatever relationship I had, because I'm, I'm, I'm going way back and I'm seeing every single relationship I had, somehow I've either cheated on them or broken up with them or something gone wrong. And throughout all of those, the common factor was me. So I was able to push my wife aside um, because I'm usually codependent on her and wanting to have her appreciate my program. And I got separated from her. She kicked me out. And that was the best thing for me because I was finally able to actually do the recovery for myself after about three or four months of soul searching where I said I really you know, don't care about recovery. I decided, well, you know what? What's the harm? Let me do a 90-90. And that kickstarted me off to a point where actually I met God again. Um, yeah. And God never walked away. You know, I, I just lift, I just opened up my ears and, and opened my eyes. My, God was there all the time for me, just waiting for me to say, hey, Tom, wake up. Come back to me whenever you're ready. And, um, yeah, I, I'm still very faulty. I still have a lot of defects of character. But um, every day I can wake up and just be appreciative of what God has provided for me. Thank you. Hey, I'm uh, Tom. I'm from the Red Bank, uh, Red Bank and Neptune meeting down the shore here. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom. Um, resentment. Um, you know, and I, I guess I always thought re- resentment had something to do with anger, and I never really thought I was an angry person. I, I, I mean, whenever challenged, I ran away from it rather than fight. You know, it seems to me there's maybe there's some people run to f- fight things, and, and some people run away, and I was always the one to run away. 
But my therapist, who happens to be in the room here also, um, <laughs> said to me, says, you know, your whole life is, is run by re- re- resentment. And then I got to step four, and I'm like, and, and, and when you go through, like, the, the, a, the, the big book, you know, charts, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And um, I, I, as, as a prior show, I haven't finished it yet. I'm only about on page 15 or 20 on it, on, on writing the resentments for someone that didn't have any resentments. No, I'm not resentment, re- resentful at all. But, but yes, it, it's really, um, really a, re- you know, a very important step because as someone also said, you know, he just came into the program to stop masturbating. And now it's like, now I have to think about these things. And I'm at the point now, like, yeah, I, I've been in the program 19 months and I've been sober. For, you know, I, I spent the first good part of it being sober in all of my, you know, from all of my drugs. And now it's time to get to the defects in which I've been working on. And I'm, so that's why I came to this group. And I thank you very much for, for, for the leading. And I thank the shares too. Thanks, Thanks Tom. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Hi, I'm Wally from St. Louis. A uh, couple quick things. It seems like I'm never willing to accept myself without kissing concrete first and um, did that a number of times until one of them really stuck with me. Um, it was on a anniversary trip overseas with my wife and she found some pornographic pictures on my Kindle that I didn't know were there. You know, naturally I didn't, you know, I didn't. anyway, um, uh, I right at that moment, I realized I have to face this, you know, I have to accept it. And, and I think, which leads me into an, another thing. Resentment to me is a symptom that I'm not accepting something in my life. If I'm mad, I'm mad because something didn't go my way. And so I better look at that and figure out, okay, what is the way it should be? You know, what is, what is my higher power's way? What's God's way? And that's where I need to be. So that's always a tip off to me. Uh, I heard a guy on radio say once he was dry, stuck in a traffic jam, just angry at everybody else, all the other cars. He looked up and saw a billboard and said, the traffic jam is you. And that really spoke to me. Um, my, my wife is from Ferguson, Missouri, and I spent a lot of my high school days there. And I'm sure you've all heard of Ferguson, Missouri and what was going on there. And I was very angry about all that and had very much an us-them attitude in my head because a lot of people were being brought in to cause a lot of those disturbances. The, the people there weren't that bad. Um, and I was just really angry. And then thinking of this traffic jam idea you know i'm a part of that same society this american society is mine i am part of the traffic jam what can i do i can't maybe can't do a whole lot nothing will make the papers but what can i in my own little part of society my own little part of the world what can i do and then i can take responsibility for that much and do that and one was that me oh one last little thing about responsibility if i can throw it in here it's a little zen story a novice goes to the master and he says, what's the secret of enlightenment? And the master says, do you have breakfast? He said, yeah. He says, well, go wash your bowls. And he suddenly understood and was enlightened. The point being, accept life on life's terms. You know, whatever is supposed to happen. I mean, life is dirty. You know, we got to clean up our dishes. And so often in my life, when it was time to do something I had to do, it was like, well, I got something more important to do. And I would avoid responsibilities because... I'm doing bigger and better things. I got to accept the little stuff. And so I hardly ever let the dishes pile up (laughs) because I always remember that. It's like some things you just got to do. So thank you. Thanks, Wally. Thanks for sharing.
Show I'm recovering sex addict. I'm not good at washing dishes. Can you come to my house? <laughs> um, deal. Um, I love the title of the topic, uh, Honest Look at Yourself in the Mirror. If you spend enough time, at least for myself, looking at the mirror, um, I start getting, or used to at least, get really uncomfortable. Uh, that whole window into the soul thing has some truth to it. And if you keep looking, I came to the same conclusion that one of uh, the co-leaders came to, which was my the number one betrayer in my life uh, of all the people who have injured me has been me. Um, and one of the greatest sources of discomfort I discovered in my step four was that while there very, uh, very was, uh, very definitely was people who injured me, as I got older and as uh, my spiritual condition deteriorated, I would go seek out to recreate those scenarios all over again, over and over and over again. Um, different uh, romantic relationships, different friendships, different jobs, and that was all me. I was the one that was recreating uh, the wreckage. I was the one that said, smack me again. Um, and when I started getting honest about that, um, I came to realize that I can't keep doing life alone without the price tag continuing to get steeper. And I was reminded of that same uh, life lesson when I was reading a, or saw a story online, first on NPR, about uh, this group of 80 people in Florida, maybe you heard about it, linking arms to save a family that uh, was drowning. If I were in Florida... And you all see me, I'm a small guy and I can't swim. I can run, but I can't swim. I would have thought, who needs 80? I got it. <laughs> I would have went and tried to save them all on my own and ask for no help if it was the guy of yesteryear. I got to start accepting help and get those people to help me see Sean, you're heading for trouble again. You're about to recreate and live into the same pattern all over again. Um, that's one of the things I took away from looking honestly at the mirror uh, in my fourth step. Thanks for letting me share. Yeah, while we're waiting for uh, someone to allow their higher power to... <laughs> bring you up to the front of the room. Uh, another one of the things that I learned about in the Joe and Charlie uh, series was about what resentment meant. And it's, it means simply to refeel. And they go through this explanation of the resentment replay machine in your mind. And that's one of the things I still struggle with. And if things don't go my way, I will think about, you know, my boss and, you know, what they did to me and, you know, how unfair that is. And, you know, I, this, this thing has to change. And what will I do? I'll, con I'll conjure up conversations in which, you know, I will confront someone. It's very, very toxic, very, very toxic to me. So, um, resentment is truly, uh, something uh, to be avoided. And the only thing that for me will, um, 
counteract that is uh, acceptance and also surrender because um, I am not in charge. And when I, whenever I was in charge, it really led to a lot of um, disharmony and a lot of uh, um, a lot of problems for my family and my loved ones. Time for one more share, perhaps. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Larry Sexaholic. Hey, Larry. Uh, Neptune, New Jersey. Um, a good long, hard look in the mirror is a great title. Um, when I first came into the program, I've been addicted to voyeurism since I was probably 10 years old. And um, I was in denial. I didn't think I had any character defects. I didn't see anything wrong with myself. Um, when I came into the program, I was blessed with a great sponsor. And um, we, when we got to the fourth step, I used to go to his house every Monday night, and uh, we'd work on it. And he asked me the question, uh, he, well, he told me, he says, write down all your character defects. So I looked at him, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, and there was another gentleman in the room, he's writing them down. I said, I can't think of any. <laughs> and uh, so it took about a year to get my fourth step done. But um, after that was done, I had plenty of character defects, and I realized them all. And what was hard was when I went to his house, um, I'm uh, Catholic, and when I went to his house, I'm looking around, and I see pictures of him on the wall. He was an older gentleman. I felt comfortable with him, a great sponsor. Now I realize that he's a retired priest. And I'm thinking, okay, um, you know, I, I know my character defects. I'm starting to look at myself and all the things I've done wrong in my life and admit them to myself because I never could before. And now I'm thinking, well, wait a second, step five, I have to speak with him and tell him that. And I'm looking, I'm saying, are you a priest? He said, yeah, I'm retired. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, like, I really wasn't quite ready to um, lay all my dirty laundry out uh, with him. But he made me very, feel very comfortable. And after uh, I, I learned all the stuff that I was um, hiding and not bringing forward, and I was able to admit to him what I did, it was just such a great feeling of um, freedom and relief that um, I'm forever grateful for that. And so the fourth and fifth step was uh, quite an awakening. Thank you. One of my biggest character defects is I don't know what my character defects are. Um, and my biggest character defect is my ego. And we say in San Antonio, our egos are not our amigos. Okay, in conclusion... Um, Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember that we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about an SA to yourself. The shares we have heard here were told in confidence. Please do not repeat what you have heard about another member to anyone who was not actually here at this meeting at the time that it was shared. Please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. And let's close with third step prayer.
God, 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 I offer myself to thee, to build with me, and to do with me as I will. Leave me in the bondage of self, that I may bend to thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may be a witness of those of my God, of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back, it works if you work it, so work it, you're worth it. A lot of fear. Yeah. Just show your love. Just show your love. Because they love you. They don't, they don't really care about that other stuff. They don't, they don't. Just don't. Just don't show you know, the defects to them. You know, they'll see it. They'll see your love. Thank you very much. You're welcome. This is the very beginning of your talk. Hi. It's very powerful to talk about your reconciliation with the family. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.